0: Welcome to PhD with Women on It. Hug the future. My name is Beata Young, and today's positivity hug delivered will be by this beautiful view. Because unfortunately, for some unknown reason, our guest couldn't join us. He she was waiting in the waiting room. Maybe next week we will be more lucky. Let me remind you, this is a grassroots community that focuses on women on IT, an inclusive form of women in technology, startups and female leaders who are supported by men as well. And I bring heart to that hustle because empathy is my mojo. And empathy is critical when you are inviting guests that cannot turn up or cancel the meeting or have some other reasons they couldn't join us but we are very empathetic and we understand and we are hoping there will be PhD in September. First of all, I am in London. I am blessed to be in this beautiful, beautiful city and be able to witness what happened just this week. We mourn the passing of the incredible, Queen Elizabeth II, her selfless devotion to UK and Commonwealth will always be remembered. Condolences to royal family. Queen Elizabeth, who has died at the age of 96, became queen when she was just 25 years old, which puts things in perspective, whether the government of Poland is suggesting lowering the retirement age. Can you imagine working are 96 years old of age? During her seven decades on the throne, she guided the UK through a period of great change. At the end, she remained the leader of a Commonwealth that now includes a combined population of more than 2 billion people, a true role model for female leaders for many generations to come. The monarchy she represented may be 1,500 years old, but the most recent Elizabethan era will be remembered as one of the enormous technological, social and scientific progress. One of her last acts as queen was to formally appoint Liz Truss, her 15th prime minister, third female prime minister this week, in, last week in Palmoral. The queen, Ms. Trusset said, was the rock on which modern Britain was built. Great news, everyone. Our PhD guest, 54 Tamika Bicam, now offers VIP brand story intensives and strategy sessions. Time to iron out your content marketing and storytelling strategy with Tamika. Congratulations to our PhD guest 48, Jenny and Defle of Air Doctor. Just They just opened a new customer service in Tel Aviv. In today's episode, I believe we are blessed with Kim who joined us just now. Uh, thank you, Kim. I'm sorry about the hustle. You had a problem joining us but I'm definitely so ecstatic to see you. Where are you, Kim? Where are you joining us from today?
1: Well, I am in uh, sunny Johannesburg, although this morning it was a tad bit overcast. So my boasting about the delightful warm weather just was shattered. Uh, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I'm joining you from home. um, So thank you so much for having me this evening.
0: Well, thank you, Kim, because I was uh, definitely crushed by uh, the fact that you couldn't join us. And uh, I thought, oh no, another cancellation. I can't cope with that. But I'm so delighted because, you know, I'm sitting in a hotel in London and we just have a very, very weak connection. And so that was a lot of struggle. And sometimes we go through struggle a lot. And sometimes it's very important to just sit down, relax, think about the fact, is it going to be important tomorrow, the year after, two years after? Is it really going to impact still our future? Definitely not. But. Here is the thing that Kim is going to tell you because uh, since Kim, you joined us, I didn't have the courage to introduce the topic. But let's talk about the topic of today's discussion, how to write, learn and earn. Being a writer can be tough. You have to find the time, energy and motivation to write every day and you have to publish your work quickly enough that you can make money from it. But if you're passionate about who, what you're writing or willing to put in the work, there is no doubt that being a writer is the best career choice possible. Building her writing career isn't a walk in the park for Kim. Our guest of PhD 74 kept her passion going when the road turns bumpy and the driving force behind her success uh, author career. Now she is passionate about teaching authors to thrive and create strong foundations for building bookpreneur businesses that help them turn their dreams of being an author into reality. Kim is a South African-born author who writes about medieval fantasy series. She is a speaker, trainer and bookstore owner who has been an entrepreneur for over 20 years and in that time she has helped hundreds of authors, brand managers and entrepreneurs build their brands. She was a winner of a Regional Business Award, a recipient of the Punch Woman of Wonder Award and has been featured in publications such as Cosmopolitan and Destiny Magazine and served as the Vice Chair for the Johannesburg Business Women's Association. Kim, we met you during um, our previous PhD, I believe it was with Natalie Abrams,
1: who was um, trained by you. Is that correct? Well, I assisted Natalie with her um, with the launch of her book. Um, one of the services that we offer is um, we help authors to format their books, um, work on their keywords, um, open up their Amazon accounts, uh, those kinds of uh, author services, because when you're starting out, you know nothing. Um, And so it's great to to have someone that can assist you along that path. I had someone that helped me uh, through that journey. And so I have a passion for assisting authors in that way.
0: Well, so let's start from the beginning. How do you start if you are dreaming about becoming author, but you don't know how to even get there?
1: Well, the first thing is that you have to write, um, and part of that is overcoming that little voice inside your head. So um, by way of a story, I I always came up with these little stories for my kids. Um, in South Africa, we've just gone through phase uh, six of load shedding, which means that we can have load shedding or, or uh, electricity cuts six times in one day, which is absolutely terrifying. Um, but the first time we started going through this, it was, uh, our family was completely unprepared and I had a, a little girl um, who was scared. She didn't know why the lights couldn't come on. I couldn't tell her when they would. Um, you know, we, we didn't have any gas cookers. We had nothing like that and it was freezing. It was in the middle of winter. So what I did is I used the, the power of my imagination and my words to tell her stories to calm her. And my family often said to me, you know, why don't you, do you write a book or publish something? And I, oh no, the, the little voice was was just too big. I was just simply too scared. And then um, some time ago, I had a friend of mine who had been a supplier of mine who moved into being an author and she earned all of her money via passive income, which was something that was very foreign to me because I was working incredibly long hours. And she said to me, Kim, you know, why don't you write? She'd seen something that I wrote on on Facebook an article she came to see me and then I said there's no way there's no way I'm going to do that I'm going to have to send out 40 manuscripts everyone's going to say no I don't have a good tolerance for rejection and she said to me no you're going to write it I'll walk you through the first part and just publish and she said and you can self-publish so the self-publishing was a was a Wonderful eye opener to me because beforehand I always had this vision of this rejection. I mean, you get these these stories about Walt Disney, how many times he got rejected, and I just couldn't imagine going through that. So um, yeah, I um, I started writing and I released my my first book um, with the support of a lot of people. You do need to have an editor a cover designer and all of those things eventually came my way but i just had to step out of the fear and say that i'm going to start writing and and for those people who are wanting to transition from any career into another a really good book is a book by blair singer called little voice mastery when i was struggling to write the first manuscript i wrote up to a certain point And then I discovered that my manuscript was too short um, to hold any weight in the genre that I was writing in. And I almost gave up. And when I was reading that book, Singer says that whoever you believe your creator is, has got something that he or for those people who believe in, in a female entity, um, something that they want to deliver to the world, a gift to the world. And you are the vessel to do that and coming from a coming from a faith-built family it hit me that if i didn't complete my calling it was almost like an act of disobedience and i wondered what would happen at the end of my life if i said i didn't step up to the calling and so i hope that's an encouragement to some people that whatever your passion is follow it it doesn't matter even if you are scared just take some action
0: Absolutely. Take some action. And we know Natalie Abrams is, Natalie Abrams is listening to us. Hello. You're looking great. And oh, she says again wow thanks for the mention lady natalie it's lovely to see you and we are very very blessed to have you as a guest uh listening this time but uh, i hope your conference went went well uh, olga vasina also mentions that great to see you back and hello kim thank you very much ladies for tuning in and be the great powerhouse that you are and always in the back of uh, the door of PhD Positivity Hug Delivered. We are definitely bringing you some positive thoughts, some actionable points and some inspiration. Today's guest is Kim. She wants you to succeed and she wants you to be, who knows, maybe JK Rowling. So, is there a way to become better at writing? What would you say are the tools for the best authors that are available online?
1: Okay, so I I love looking at things that are for free and have a paid version. Um, a lot of my clients will will know that's my trademark. I say, try this program for free and then you can upgrade. One of the things that uh, I really love is um, a product called uh, Pro Writing Aid. Um, there is an online version that is available for free that you can put through 500 words at a time. And then, of course, there's the paid upgrade version, which has got a lot of extra benefits. But definitely, when you start writing, when, once you go to an editor, which an editor would be, I think, the ultimate in quality control you get charged per word that people edit on your behalf but with pro writing aid it teaches you how to be a better writer it finds whether you've got problems with passive voice or active voice it will it even has reports on the free version that tells you if you have repeated a word too many times so in the beginning when you're doing dialogue The temptation is to say, this person said, then that person said, then so-and-so said. And said, you know, there's a whole bunch of different ways of saying said. Um, So pro-writing aid will pick it up and say, I've used this word too many times. Um, Try changing this. Use this kind of word. It will pick up your spelling mistakes. And um, obviously the free version doesn't do, it's not as robust as the paid version. But that was definitely very, very helpful to me. And something that I also worked with in terms of craft, there's a website called Description And it has it's a lot of different authors that have little prompts. So in the beginning, I was struggling to describe certain scenes. And it's quite interesting because people who read my work say I write very descriptively. They can imagine being in that scene. But what I did with that is I would, I would type in anger. And I would see what other authors were writing about anger. Um, obviously, you don't plagiarize whatsoever, but it can give you hints and say, you know, that the, the blood was coursing through my veins or my stomach felt like it was in knots. Uh, they give you different ways of describing things and that just helps you to, to, um, to prompt you to get the words out. Another thing that I also do on a regular basis is on a Thursday evening, I have an accountability group. I don't manage the accountability group. It's another author that I know. And uh, we will spend 15 minutes writing on a prompt. And then after that, we will spend two hours writing whatever it is that we want to write. And we come back and we discuss with the authors what we have just written. And then they will give us their feedback about the piece that we wrote. Those kinds of things are absolutely invaluable. Some people say, read as much as you can. Um, But then there are some authors that say that when they do read a lot, um, it kind of contaminates their voice. I know a little funny story. I write medieval fantasy and, uh, you know, it's it's epic and there's some sword fright, fights and dragons and a whole bunch of really exciting things going on and I've got spy masters. And when I'm feeling very stressed, I tend to pick up um, a Daniel Steele, which she's a, a romance writer. Um, she's incredibly successful, but her books have got a certain kind of formula, so they are relaxing. It's not something that you have to think a lot through. Um, and so I'll read that in order to relax. And my daughter came through the one day. I, I read sections of my books to her. And she says, Mom, stop reading Daniel Steele until you've finished the book. So I said, why would you say that? And she says, because I can see the little love story elements starting to sneak in and that's not what you're writing. So, <laughs> so that's a personal uh, preference that people have read a lot or read less when you're writing.
0: Mm. Well, uh, it's amazing stories. You brought us so much feedback, pro writing aid, a descriptionary, and also the accountability group. There are so many tips uh, from Kim and we see that Natalie is really excited about uh, being here, the guest. Hi, Beata. Love to you, Natalie, as well. Thanks, Beata. The fifth conference was awesome. Zanzibar is amazing. Already taking bookings for the sixth annual conference. Bravo, Natalie. We love your conference and what you're doing with your books, with stories of different females of different upbringings Uh, and it's so fascinating because we are living in the little bubble. We think we have expanded our vision but really it's only a small piece of a pie that we are able to eat. Now, uh, let me focus on what I'm doing best rather than thinking about literature. Let's focus on some questions uh, that we want to uh, ask our lovely author, Kim. So, your personal story. You were in a business world and something prompted you to write your first book. Can you bring us the whole story, how you started?
1: Okay, so I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years and I was in the corporate gifting space. Um, Many of our clients were event coordinators and I, I loved bringing brands to life and creating experiences for people. But one of the things that I noticed is it's an incredibly cutthroat industry. So you do have that element where they will ask you for ideas. You give the ideas and then they take the ideas and they give it to someone else and come in at a lower price so you end up in that industry You end up working incredibly long hours and i had this one particular client she was a she was a, a wonderful uh woman she produced a lot of sales for our for our business and i used to say to my family when she calls we're dropping everything because we have at least a 70 percent chance of closing that deal And the one particular day i had i hadn't been drinking water i had been working incredibly hard and i developed a bladder infection um it was extremely painful and i was perspiring but this proposal needed to be in the next day and my daughter said to me mom stop working go drink some water sort out this infection um you know you look dreadful and i said goody we actually cannot because we were living from from deal to deal so you have one deal where you make lots of money and then you have to then the pipeline dwindles out you've got to start all over again and i said i just cannot let the client down i have to i have to finish this proposal so she said to me well what what do i need to do to help you so i said you bring the water and uh, and as soon as i'm finished the proposal i promise i'll go lie down so i did that but I thought to myself, you know what? I am working so incredibly hard. There's no legacy for my family. Um, after I'm finished, people are people are not even gonna remember what it is that I did. Those T-shirts or USBs or whatever that, that uh, people got, no one's gonna remember me and the contribution that I made. And I just thought that there was something more to this. There was something more than just working from deal to deal. And it was only really when when my friend Natalie, and this is a different Natalie, when she contacted me and she spoke to me about being an author, that it started triggering, that that's who I was, that's what I wanted to be. And interestingly enough, when lockdown happened, I couldn't work. I just couldn't work because no one was having events. And so I wrote all the way through lockdown, I produced three novels and I realized that I'd fallen in love with the process. I I fell in love with the process of being able to create something that when I when I die, my children will have that. My eldest daughter, whenever she takes a new book, she says, "Mommy, you must write in it because it will be something that I will be remembered by. It will be something that can be passed down to my grandchildren and, and my particular gift which is telling stories in a way that brings wisdom into into people's lives, that will continue way past me and way past my children.
0: So we know that your daughter um, is your biggest supporter, is also a biggest critic, because I believe children say it as it is, without uh, sugar coating. Um, yes. If somebody doesn't have a daughter or son, uh, who would you advise to go for the first reading? Okay, definitely not your
1: friends. Don't ask your friends to read the book. (laughs) Um, Try and find someone that has got that balance, that's not scared to tell you that there's something wrong. Because, you know, I've got these visions. I don't know how many of the guests have watched Pop Idols or America's Got Talent or that kind of thing. You know, there you are singing in the shower and someone says to you, oh, you've got such a lovely voice. But when you go out into the world, you completely humiliate yourself and <laughs> you actually, what you needed is you needed to have a singing coach that says, please, you are not a singer. Now, you have got people that will steal your dream, but I would definitely say when you have your first book, give it to someone that you can trust because there are people that steal your books, Um, give it to someone that you can trust that can read through it and give you honest feedback. You know, that was a lesson that I had to learn and, and feedback is something that whether you're an author or whatever business you're in, you must be able to take feedback because feedback is not a rejection of you as a person. I struggled in the beginning. I used to listen to my editor and I used to feel like a rebellious child. No, I want to do it my way. Um, but I had to say to myself, she is my quality control expert. You know, my mom used to work for a for a company in South Africa called CNA, um, and it was it's short for central news agencies and she worked as a book buyer. So she did autonomous purchasing. and even though when I gave her the first copy, she said to me, oh, so proud of you. It was such a stunning book. She loved the story. And then afterwards when we did, because she got the f- the first arc and that's what we call an advanced reader's copy. So an advanced reader's copy will have some mistakes in it, um, but you, know, you, you tweak it and then un- until you get it into the right stage. And she said to me, yeah, I did notice that there were some mistakes in the book. And I'm like, what? You never told me. You just said, I'm so proud of you. And she was a book buyer. So definitely there are people that will that will love you and want the best for you. And they'll be too scared to hurt your feelings. And then there'll be some people that are incredibly scared to hurt your uh, to for you to make a mistake and to fall on flat on your face, and then they will try and talk you out of the story. So you've got to be very careful who you choose it must be someone who wants you to do well but is not scared to tell you the truth and not scared to point out your mistakes i've got one lady who is a very special friend of mine her name is lisa she is so not afraid to tell you the the tough things i had approached her in the beginning and i said lisa her, her sister was in publishing in traditional publishing i said can i speak to your sister and just like get some pointers from her about publishing and she said no and then when i questioned her about it she said to me you know my sister has just left the publishing industry she's very jaded at the moment and i am very scared that she will steal your dream so take whatever feedback you need to get get it from someone else who actually believes that you can do that And I was incredibly grateful for that, that that she directed me away from someone who would not be helpful in my career. Because not everyone can be helpful. Sometimes they don't want to be nasty. Sometimes it's just that they they fear rejection more than you do.
0: Right. Um, Don't ever let somebody steal your dream that's message from kim and let's segue into questions from olga valsina first we've got some questions waiting is there an optimal strategy to write a book example so many words per day week or other markers to deliver a decent manuscript okay excellent question
1: right so part of this is strategy some of it is personal routine i find is my best friend whenever there's something important to you whether it's fitness because i can see from your picture you look very fit i'm so happy that this frame only covers up to my shoulders um (laughs) but whether it's fitness whether it is writing or whether it is a course that you're wanting to do carve out time and that time is your time so for me, my time, please, this is not for everyone. My time was three o'clock in the morning until seven o'clock in the morning. And uh, that was the reason that I, I did that is because I, number one, am an insomniac. I tend to stress and then I worry about things. And there was an um, a thing that I read by John Maxwell some years ago that said, work always produces more results than worry. So that has been, that's been my mantra. And when I speak to people, I very often, if they're a mother, I will ask them this question. When you had a baby, what is the thing that brought you sanity? And very often the sanity would be bath time is at this time, meal time is at this time. And when you build in a routine in your life, it makes you feel more stabilized. It also helps me with guilt because when i was working and actively producing an income to when i was writing writing takes some time to produce um, any kind of results for you then i would always feel guilty why am i writing instead of selling or doing this but if i had a certain time allocated in the day i would say that's my time and i'm entitled to work in that time So that is an incredibly important thing saying, when is that going to be my time? There are some people that will really struggle with finding the time to sit down. Um, What I recommend to one of my authors, another package, Otter is an app. It is a free dictation app. You also can get the paid version. The paid version is pretty cool because it does voice recognition. So um, in the beginning, you might not be able to get it um, perfectly sorted out. I remember I once did a dictation and I said that one of the characters had left a dagger in a place. Now in South Africa, we call marijuana dacha. And so the when I said dagger, because my accent was different to what the app recognized, it wrote you left my your dacha in the tunnel and that was before marijuana was um was legalized uh in the country so it was very funny that this word came up but but there are people who have written books in their car by dictating and transcribing and editing later you need to find out what is the time that's right for you Jerry Jenkins used to work from 9 o'clock in the evening until midnight and he made himself a promise that he would never let his children go without him. So he would never steal time from his children in order to write. I definitely have not been like that. Saturday is sometimes when I crunch it out and I write and write and write.
0: You mentioned guilt, and I wonder how much guilt has to do with imposter syndrome, and maybe you could share a story with us.
1: Yeah, definitely the imposter syndrome is is a big thing, because one of the things that they say to you when you're going to be writing is to own that you're a writer. So I'm a big uh, fan of the be, do, have philosophy um i have written a nonfiction book called what would a successful author do um and it's got a reader magnet section in there now it's the first part of a six-part series that i'm producing for new authors or authors that are that have written but they're getting a little bit stuck and one of the things that i say in there is that most people have got almost like a lotto mentality um, they're waiting to make the big break get the big publishing contract. And then everything is going to be wonderful. And they're going to be rolling in the cash. Oh my word. It doesn't work like that. Um, you actually have to do the things that a successful author will do before you can have the things that a successful author has. Now, when you make that step and you say, I am an author, whether you've written, 30 words or 3 million words, when you say I am an author and I I do the things that authors do, you can let go of some of the guilt because I felt that I was somehow robbing my family by going down this journey when I already had an income stream, but it wasn't me. And so the guilt was misplaced. I should have felt guilty about not writing because one of the things that I tell some of my authors, I've got one author at the moment who's really, really struggling with this and he has got children and I shared a story with him. Um, You mentioned beforehand that I was in Cosmopolitan magazine uh, one year. And with Cosmopolitan magazine, they ask you a whole bunch of questions in advance. They don't publish every question. They ask you the questions and then they choose which ones they're going to put in the publication. And I was going through an incredibly difficult time. At that time, I was a single parent. I, I was just incredibly depressed and I just couldn't quite see the journey ahead for me. And then in the back of my mind, I thought to myself, wasn't Cosmopolitan supposed to be coming out round about this time? So I went and I grabbed the copy, I opened it up. And one of the questions that they asked is, what is the thing that keeps you going? when you know you feel that you have to like cash in your chips and i i had said over then this was before i was a writer i said my daughter is the thing is the person that keeps me going because of this reason i want to tell her to strive for her dreams but if i quit on my dreams what am i modeling to her And so that's why it's incredibly important that when you find your passion, that you pursue that passion. You don't neglect your responsibilities. Don't say, well, like if uh, selling toilet rolls is is what produces money at the moment, I'm going to stop selling toilet rolls. Don't do that. But please make time for your dream because there are other people watching you. People who really need the courage that's going to come from your decision to forge forward and let go of the imposter syndrome. You are what you are meant to be. You might not yet have the success that you're striving for, but that does not
0: mean that the dream is not valid. That's beautiful what you're saying. I am going to say hello to In Love and In Pain before I uh, delve a little bit deeper. Hi Beata and Kim, I love writing and I use it in giving positive vibes and advice to others. Well, In Love and In Pain, maybe it's time to consider being a guest on our Positivity Hack Delivered. Anyway, it's vitally important what you said. It's so true because uh, when I speak to some of the industry leaders, they say to me, especially males, that while well, their mothers they are happy being housewives, they are happy, uh, you know, just not being at the top of the industry. But they never ask them that question, honestly. And quite mm-hmm. often it turns out that they just have to do the things they have to do to keep the family together. They don't pursue their dreams because they have so much to do at home. They don't have support of their partner and they just have to keep doing. So as you say, this is our duty to be the role role models for our daughters, for our sons, for society. Kim, let's go into uh, questions every author, dreams of how to create your support group how to create your readers
1: okay so support groups there are a significant amount of them that are on facebook there's some absolutely fantastic uh, groups um i've got a group uh, a right learn and earn group on on my facebook page but uh, there uh there's mark dawson has got uh, the self-publishing uh formula group there's a support group there that you can ask questions there is the 20 books for 50k group that group was designed originally because the uh, the originator wanted to see how many books he would need to sell in order to retire and so He formed uh, this formula to work it as a retirement plan. And there's a lot of authors that follow that. In fact, that particular group was, uh, created the tipping point for me in my relationship with my husband. Um, Because my husband was one of the original people that questioned what I was doing. Now, when I say that, my husband is an incredibly supportive person. When I committed to start writing, he took over the breakfast run. So he has made breakfast for the family almost every single morning, except for the occasions where I I don't feel like writing, every single morning for the family so that I could have my slot to write. But I had to be very clear on what my goals were. I found a lot of people say, my spouse is not supportive but sometimes you are a bit wishy-washy in what you want and what your dreams are. And if you had to sit down with your spouse and say, this is my dream, this is what I'm going to do. This is the plan of action and this is the kind of support that I need from you. I find in most cases when you're clear, then that's when the support arrives because they know that this is an unwavering thing. This is what I have decided. And so part of your support, is finding the right people but also being the right person making sure people know you're not going to you're not going to drop this one i think it's like you know when you have kids and they say i want to play the violin or i want to play the guitar why don't i do this and then they go through all of those things and eventually you want to say just choose something and stick to it and when they come up with the 14th thing that they want to try then you're like no i'm not paying for that i've been through all of this so So in that way, as when we are writers, we almost become like children because we're starting with those baby steps. So find a support group. And then I also encourage, find a mentor. Now, don't hassle the heck out of that person, but say, can you mentor me for this time period? So for me with Natalie, when she, um, as I said, this is the other Natalie, not the one that's on here um what she did is she said to me kim these these are my timelines and uh she said to me i work very odd hours so you can send me a message now i might only respond to it tomorrow morning at two o'clock in the morning if you're okay with that i will help you so understand where people at and take what you can and what they're comfortable with offering and then find all the other people around that If there is a group like um, in South Africa, I am a partner in a bookstore, Profound Books, and we have some authors that keep on coming to the book talks that we have. Those authors are the ones that are writing. The people who don't come to the book talks to support the other authors, they are the ones that very often say, oh, I haven't written anything in three months. I've got writer's block. You need to be in the environment with people. Those people who are writing uh, in November, NanoRimo. So Google it. NaNoWriMo is an international organization that runs three different writing camps every year. It's online. They are fantastic. They've got, you enter in your goals, how many words you need to write, and they've got graphs in there that says at your current pace, you are writing this amount of words per day, this is by when you would have reached your goal. And I find that that is brilliant. I don't I don't finish NaNoWriMo every year, but it's certainly, I can get at least 50% of my novel completed in that time. November, your the target is to write 50,000 words in a single month. It is something like you cannot believe, but definitely very good
0: we are just sharing with you some of a uh, powerful tools. Uh, we are going to share also the link to Nano uh, That's a tongue whis- whisper uh, wh- <laughs> whisker and a half. Uh, we have a question from Olga Vasina. Thank you kim how much time do you spend marketing your books is it equivalent to the time you spend writing the book and also i think it's a very important one can somebody without marketing background do the marketing themselves
1: okay excellent question um send me an email and then i will send you the tool that i use the most in terms of marketing but, um, yeah, you, you have to put your marketing hat on. Like, like I said before, and there's some authors that feel that this is like a lotto thing. You're just going to win the lottery. So the first thing in, in this book that I've got, The Reader Magnet, it actually shows you some of the marketing tools that, uh, that you can use. You start building an audience quite early. It seems weird because people will say, but I don't even have a book. Why would I be doing a newsletter? newsletters are one of your best friends. The reason that the newsletter is your best friend is, um, places like Amazon, Apple books, all those retailers, people who go and buy books from them, they are Amazon customers. They are not your customer. Amazon is not going to tell you, oh, by the way, Sally bought your book. You don't get that information. That's their database. So you are vying against lots of other authors and you want to build a reputation with your author. So I always say, get yourself an author website. Now you can do one on, um, Oh, my mind has just gone blank for the moment, WordPress. WordPress does allow you to do free uh, websites. There are a couple of others that do free websites. I'm not a fan of the free websites. Um, sometimes there can be advertisements on there. You don't have a lot of control. And if someone decides to pull the rug out from underneath you, well, then you've, you've lost that opportunity. But if you absolutely cannot do anything except a free website, do it. Create a reader magnet and a reader magnet can be a short story. Short stories are around about 2000 words. So it doesn't have to be a massive novel what a reader magnet is and this is what i discuss in this book that i've put the link for and by the way when we put the link in over there that book is for free so get it it's for free on on amazon and it's for free um on on my right learn and earn website but get it is absolutely free read it you're going to find a lot of helpful hints about that and I discuss specifically the reader magnet. So what people do is when they get a reader magnet, they give you their email address in exchange for the, for the free story or book and make sure that your cover is good. Get yourself a cover designer. There's a lot of really reasonable cover designers on Fiverr.com. Do not do it in Canva unless you are a trained graphic designer who has studied about what the science of book covers do not do it yourself get someone to do it for you have a decent cover if you absolutely can't afford an editor go for the pro writing aid and then enter into a beta reading program now that's or beta. I was told the other day, I'm not allowed to call it beta. It's supposed to be beta. Sorry for all of those people that I pronounced it incorrectly. Mm -hmm. But start building your audience. So what I do is when I started writing, I started building this, this newsletter database. I started with 68 people. Most of those people were not even interested in the thing that I had to write. Not many people like books about dragons and medieval fantasy. I call my books like Game of Thrones meets Francine Rivers, a Game of Thrones with a moral fiber. (laughs) Um, And so not everyone wanted to read that. I had to find my target audience. Now, when you've got a website that shows the kind of writer that you are, and you've got to read a magnet which gives a sample of your work, then people can see whether they like you or they don't like you. And then you deliver valuable content Every second week minimum. I do mine once a week. If you do it once a month, you're not going to build. You're going to build very slowly. So build it at least every second week. And when you make your cup of coffee in the morning, put in a big dollop of patience and perseverance to flavor it as well. Because it's going to take time. So you want to build up that audience. A little thing that people don't know is that many of the traditional publishers now are asking for people to have a following. They don't really care as much about the content of your book as your ability to sell because they have to invest in you. And if you are not able to sell that book, if you don't have a following, then they are not interested in working with you so that is definitely my advice start building your following build a sample of your work and getting to programs that are going to allow you to do swaps with other same genre
0: authors thank you <laughs> that's a long long uh uh well a long history of what to do if you want to be best-selling author thank you very much kim and uh, based on your comment about network building your network of future leaders i would like to remind our lovely audience about our phd number 30 we had mark newsom who was talking about how to gain your first customer and build a stream of clients by creating your newsletter by building that customer relations management and whether it's a business or whether you are considering becoming a best-selling author this connection is irreplaceable it's not like facebook that all of a sudden can ban you or duplicate your data this is something that you can own and you can send to your clients, to your future readers, and they can give you valuable feedback that you need. Kim, before we finish today's conversation, I'm mindful of passing time, I wanted to ask you one very important question. Imagine the pandemic is over and you can invite any person to have breakfast in the world. Who would you love to have a private breakfast with? And which place would you choose?
1: Okay, so I would definitely say that would be uh, Jesus Christ. I'd have a, a meeting with him. And it's not for the religious reasons that people would assume. It is from a marketing perspective. Because when I look at his life, when I look at the at the Bible and the spread of the faith that he introduced into the world, one man recruited 12 other followers and that message has spread across the world. So if there was ever a person that could build a following that knew something about marketing in the way that he applied it at the time, I would definitely speak to him. He was a storyteller, which really appeals to me. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably move him into this particular time frame. And I would say to him, without Facebook, without Twitter, without all of the social media, what would be the key things that you would tell other people to spread your message so that it becomes viral? Because I think that I could get some really interesting insights from him.
0: Well, as a bookworm, I need to ask you also, what is the number one book? You can sit and think, oh, I wish I read it before I started my career as a writer.
1: Um, I'm not saying that it would be my career as a writer, but just my career in general. I would want to, I would have wanted to read The One Minute Millionaire. Um, It's by the same author, I can't remember his name, from Chicken Soup for the, the Soul. And what I love about that particular book is it combines a novel with nonfiction flawlessly. Um, it is a story about a, a young woman who has lost her children through a terrible tragedy. And the only way she can get them back is by making a certain amount of money in a certain time. And so it's quite gripping the story. Um, It was was terrifying for me as a mother. But what they do is they recommend certain business principles to her. And on the one side of the, the page is the story and on the other side of the page, they write down what those business principles are and how you can apply them to your business. And that was fantastic for me because I've got lots of nonfiction books and I don't always finish reading them. But this one, I just went through it incredibly quickly. It teaches you about building teams, finance, property, a whole bunch of different uh, business principles in a way that's easily digestible.
0: We have a last question we can accept from Olga. She's just building on the previous... um a story you told about self-publishing. So if publishers expect you to have an audience already, what exactly is the benefit of publishers to an author if you can write, edit, and self-publish?
1: <laughs> okay, this is this is an old question. And uh, if there are any publishers listening to me, I'm going to tell it the way that it is. Okay, the statistics are that when you work with, an, with a publisher, you're only going to get 10% of the royalties of the book. So whatever that selling price is, as little as 10%, you can get yourself. When you're publishing um, with a a platform, Amazon can give you up to 70% of your royalties. Now, the benefits of working with a traditional publisher is they throw in All of the the editing, the cover design, a whole bunch of things that are are quite alien to people that are starting out. When you are self-publishing, you've got to pay for your own editor, you've got to pay for your own cover design, you've got to pay for your own marketing, and you've got to ride the wave that is going to happen. You've got to wait for the lag so that you can start benefiting. And a lot of people don't have the skills and because they don't have the skills they don't have the emotional stamina to go through that process so if you are very risk adverse then go for a publisher the challenge with the publisher is that they have got a certain marketing um, budget and they can only use it that budget for all of the authors so they will decide which ones they feel are most likely to make a profit for them and they're going to plug their money into that. That's where they're going to be putting their budget in. Um, So so that means that your chances are that you're actually not going to make it as well as you would if you are self-published. Having said that, there are some excellent book promoters that will work with someone who is traditionally published. They'll send them on blog tours, that kind of thing. So, if you've got the budget to do some of that private marketing yourself and you don't want the hassle of stock and reprints and that, then go with the traditional publisher. Some people just want it for a credibility thing, they don't want to earn a long term living. But there are authors that are in the traditional publishing space that are starting to move over into the indie author space, because they recognize that they can make much more money by learning how to do many of these things themselves.
0: Excellent. Or just follow Kim Vermack on her website. She gives lots of hints and tips, and she is definitely Like a self-publisher prophet, Um, Kim, I wanted to ask you about your life lesson quote and how did it change you?
1: Okay, so I think I did hint at it beforehand, but it was definitely from John Maxwell, is that work produces more results than worry. You know, we spend a lot of time worrying about what's going to happen in the future, worrying about our kids, what, you know, all kinds of things and at the end of the day just take action you might watch up but then you learn there's a a saying that says sometimes we win and sometimes we learn do not do not discard the power of the present just take action
0: And as you mentioned before, it's discipline, routine, and finding your calling. I would like to add as well my recently favorite quotation, which is, we are not striving for perfection, we are striving for progress. And that's all from today's PhD Positivity Hack delivered by Kim Vermack. And to stay updated and ensure you never miss PhD, Follow woman on it and turn on notifications to be alerted once a video has been released. If you don't have to, time to read, you don't have the time or the tools to write. Simple as that, said Stephen King. As always, our positivity quote comes from positive thinking only and goes, look for something positive in each day, even if some days you have to look harder. And definitely that was something we can take from today because we had to wait for Kim and she arrived. If you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. My favorite author Maya Angelou said, today is your day to hug the future hug the positive view you want and thank you once again natalie ambrams olga vasina in love and in pain and thank you kim our lovely guest today goodbye thank See you so next- much for having me thank you